Good morning. Welcome to the house of the Lord and to the service of worship at the Houghton Wesleyan Church on Pentecost Sunday. In a moment, I'll ask you to stand and join in the call to worship and remain standing for the invocation and the hymn to follow, which is found as an insert in your bulletin. Let us stand and begin our time together. Please read with me responsibly. The God of rushing wind and fire dwells here in our presence in this hour and every hour. Glory be to God, who strengthens us and blesses all people with peace. God, who called all the world into being, calls forth new life in us today. Glory be to God, in whose creative purpose we are claimed and empowered. God, whose spirit unites all people in a common language of love, confirms his gifts in us as we gather here. Glory be to God, who created light in which we can walk in confident expectation. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Father, we are excited to be here today as we remember the tongues of flame with which you manifested, by which you manifested your presence on Pentecost, the first Pentecost. And we pray that your spirit will be vibrant and that our awareness will be full today in that light as we listen to your word and hear what you have to say to us. Thank you for this beautiful day, for this time of worship. In Jesus' name, amen.
Before you're seated, take a moment to share a word of peace, a word of greeting with others who are here in worship today. Next Sunday morning, uh, we will again gather for worship at 8.30 and 11. And uh, also notice there are a number of prayer concerns in the bulletin, as they usually are. We do want to give thanks to God for uh, his healing grace in Ruth Hutton's life. Last Sunday, she uh, had a stroke actually right out here in front of the church. And miraculously, through uh, people helping her and things happening, uh, much of the, uh, the results of that have been reversed. And she is in rehabilitation right now at Strong and should be back and doing quite well in a week and a half or two weeks. And uh, so we, we just give thanks to God for that. We do want to pray for Dick Alderman. Dick is in Olean Hospital and uh, is going to be going through surgery today. He has, uh, has diverticulosis and complications from that. So I know that Dick and Jerry and the family would appreciate our prayers today. Also on this weekend when we honor uh, many, many people who have sacrificed so that we have freedom, such as coming to worship today without fear of reprisal. And uh, we want to give thanks for all who have, uh, who have sacrificed for our freedoms through the many years of our nation. We, um, I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Todd and Mary and Mackenzie and Malachi to, to come here. The Leeches came to Houghton in 2002, just about 10 years ago, and Pastor Todd serving on our staff here. Uh, From the very beginning, they uh, connected themselves not only with the church and the ministry of the church, but with uh, Houghton and the the community and the community at large. And uh, I know that uh, they have had uh, a great influence on many of our lives uh, through ministries of the church and just through friendship and and being together and spending time together. And uh, it is uh, with bittersweet emotions that we, uh, we see them leave. This is their last Sunday here, and uh, they will be uh, moving on to the next thing that God has for them. And uh, I wanted to, we want to take an opportunity to um, acknowledge their ministry and to, to thank God for what he's done through them uh, in, our, in our lives. And I know that as with, with people who have connected with us, have been a part of our lives when... When we part, uh, something of them stays with us, and something of us hopefully stays with them. And uh, that, that's our prayer as uh, they move on. We did want to, uh, to do something to, um, to help them remember us, to, um, to cherish their time here. So we commissioned uh, John Rett to uh, do a watercolor for them of the church. And um, they, they told him that surprised again because they saw this the first service. Uh, uh, but it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful watercolor of, of the church that I hope will remind them of their many 
years of ministry here and our love and prayers uh, as, as they go. And I, I know that, uh, that you want to express your gratitude to them for their ministry, and I invite you to do that now. take a moment to pray for them and to ask God's grace on their lives. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, Todd and Mary, for Mackenzie and Malachi, for bringing them here to Houghton and for all the ways in which you have uh, used them in our lives, for all of the ways in which our lives have melded together in friendship and joy and blessing. We thank you for uh, just who they are and for their witness of you. And we pray that in the days ahead, they will sense you leading them and guiding them so clearly. And we pray that your blessing will continue with them and remain upon them. That as they move to the next place you have for them, they will do so in the confidence of your spirit and in the power of your spirit. And we pray, Father, that they will know not only your love and grace, but our love as well. And our support. And and to know that that uh, this, this is a group of people who cares deeply for them and loves them and cherishes them. So, Lord, we pray your richest blessings upon them as a family and in all that they do. And we pray this through Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you. We also have the, uh, the great joy of... Uh, dedicating our children to God, and it is such a wonderful thing to be able to do that at, at various times of, of the church year. And today we have the opportunity to do so once again. David Beth, God has blessed you with this little one. And today, you come to dedicate God's gift back to him. You're here today because of your own faith in Jesus Christ. And in this public act of dedication, you are declaring your desire that he be raised in the love and grace of God within the nurturing spirit of this church. In this act, you're welcoming the prayers and the support of this church. And declaring your desire that he would learn early the things of God. Do you need to put him, let him walk around a little bit? That's all right. That's all right, big boy. <laughs> You're welcoming the prayers and support of this church and declaring your desire that he would learn early the things of God. And that his life would be defined in a lifelong commitment to follow God to the very end of his life. That he might receive the promise of eternal life in Christ. But in order for this to happen, you are going to have to share your lives in a particular way that is conducive to the spiritual result that you seek. With this end in mind, will you commit yourselves as parents to teach Brendan about God's unconditional love for him as revealed to us in Jesus Christ? 
Will you model your own love for him after God's perfect and unending love? Will you teach him to see all people as creatures of God made in his image and loved by him? Will you involve him with you in the life of the church and seek the encouragement and support and accountability of the community of believers as you raise him? You are now jointly responsible for the well-being of four children, and the strength of your marriage is more important than ever. Do you recommit today to the vows that you've already made to each other, as within the grace of God you do everything in your power to help him and all of your children know God? So answer, we will. He just wants to pray at the altar, I think. He's okay for a minute. Catherine and Allie and Wesley. He wants to go visit. (laughs) I'm going to have fun holding him. You know, there, there, we've had, there have been services we've had where I've watched Beth pace back and forth in the foyer with him, and uh, to, to, he, he likes to go. Catherine and Allie and Wesley, you also carry a significant role in Bryn's spiritual development. Will you do everything in your power through the grace of God to be a loving witness to your brother? If so, answer, we will. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, we read these words. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant, and he said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. Now we'll see if he'll let me do that. Come here. Come here. Just a little bit. For a minute. For a minute. No. It's okay. I'm not sure what he said, but I think it was don't touch me. We'll do this. Brendan, on behalf of your parents, this congregation, your family, we dedicate you to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. We as a congregation have a continuing responsibility to our children. And we fulfill that through the ministries of the church and through those serendipitous moments when we encounter our children and express the love of Christ to them. So I want to invite you to stand and to affirm your commitment to Bren and to this family. As the Church of Jesus Christ, will you, with the help of God, do everything possible to help Brendan grow in the nurture and grace of Jesus Christ? Will you love him? Will you be a godly witness to him? And will you help him to know and accept the grace of God in his life? If so, answer, we will. Gracious Father, we thank you for Brendan, for bringing him into this world, for loving him with an everlasting love, and for bringing him to his family to this place. 
We pray, Father, that you will pour out your spirit upon him and that as you do, he will have a heart that is always, always open to you. Let his life be defined by his relationship with you and the passion and intimacy of following you. Lord, I pray for Dave and Beth as parents and that you would give them grace and and mercy and wisdom and all that they need to help them know Christ and to see in them your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your truth. Pray for Catherine and Allie and Wesley that as as older siblings that their love for you would, would be contagious for Brendan's love for you. And Father, help us as a congregation to be continually mindful of your calling on us to be witnesses to this little one. We pray, Father, for your grace upon him. Pour out your spirit in his life. And we ask this through Christ Jesus. I invite you to join with me in the prayer of confession. It's printed in your bulletin. Let us pray together. Almighty God, you poured your spirit upon gathered disciples, creating bold tongues, open ears, and a new community of faith. We confess that we hold back the force of your spirit among us. We do not listen for your word of grace, speak the good news of your love, or live as a people made one in Christ. Have mercy on us, O God. Transform our timid lives by the power of your spirit and fill us with a flaming desire to be your faithful people, doing your will For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our Old Testament reading this morning comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 61. This can be found in your pew Bible on page 739. Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, And to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the splendor, for the display of his splendor. 
they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Aliens will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations. And in their riches you will boast. Instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance. So they will inherit a double portion in their land, and everlasting joy will be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and iniquity. In my faithfulness, I will reward them and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I invite you to stand as the ushers come forward for the singing of the doxology and the giving of our tithes and offerings. Father, we give you all that is but your own. Again, we ask for your spirit to inspire as we make this act of, of, of offering and worship to be used in your wisdom for your purposes. In Jesus' name.
As we go to prayer this morning, I just want to let you know that the altar is open, and if there are things that you would like to pray about and would like to use the altar as your place of prayer, I invite you to join me there now. Father, on this first day of the week, we've gathered together as your people in this place to worship you, to exalt you, and to glorify your holy name. You are the Ancient of Days, the Holy One of Israel, our shield and our very great reward. You are our rock and our redeemer, our mighty fortress and our deliverer. We are so grateful for the opportunity to meet together as part of your church today. So many of our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world are unable to meet or are forced to meet in secret. We pray for them today. We lift up your church around the world and ask you to bless her, to make her strong, firm, and steadfast in you. Father, on this Memorial Day weekend, we we remember those who have given their lives to ensure our freedom and to give us the opportunity to gather so freely and openly to worship you. We thank you for the sacrifice that they have made and we pray that you would bless their families and encourage them today. 
Lord, you know our needs this morning. There are some among us with physical needs, and we lift these up to you. Father, we think of Dick Alderman and pray that you would touch his body, that you would bring healing to him as he faces this surgery today. We pray that he would have a special sense of your presence with him. We pray for Ruth Hutton and thank you for the the strong recovery that she is making. And we pray that you would just continue to heal her as well. And there are others, Father. We pray for John Banker, Ryan Pennings, John and Gladys Andrews, Lynn Perry, Bill Roski, Emily Crickler, John Smith, Judy Goodekinst, Candy Wells, John and Mary McCormick, Clarence Wagenblatt, and Lewis Case. And Father, there are others perhaps whose names are not listed in our bulletin, but you know their needs. We lift these up to you and ask for your healing touch in their lives. There are others among us with other needs this morning. I pray for those who are grieving the loss of a loved one. We pray that you would be their hope and their comfort, that you would wrap your arms of love around them and draw them close to yourself. Others are discouraged, depressed, doubting, or despairing. Perhaps some are living in fear. You know, O Lord, I pray that you will show yourself strong in each of our lives. Be for us today our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Father, on this Pentecost Sunday, we thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. And we pray that you would continue to cleanse us, renew us, and reshape us into the image of Christ through the power of your Spirit in our lives. Continue to build up your church in the world. Raise up godly men and women to be your hands and your feet, bringing the good news to all who need to hear. Father, I thank you for this congregation and for the privilege of serving among them for these past 10 years. And I pray today that you will bless them and keep them in your love and grace. Equip and empower them for effective service and witness, and may they daily know and experience your peace. Bless Pastor Wes and the pastoral staff, I pray. Keep them ever close to you and give them wisdom, discernment, and grace as they lead this great congregation. We thank you for your faithfulness to your people today, Lord and down through the ages as well. All glory, honor, and praise belongs to you. And we pray these things in the strong name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who taught his disciples to pray the prayer we now pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. A New Testament reading this morning 
comes from the book of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. This can be found in your pew Bible on page 1075. In the historic tradition of the church, let us stand for the reading of the gospel and remain standing for the hymn to follow. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
You may be seated. Before I begin this morning, let me just take a minute and say thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you for a wonderful 10 years of ministry in your midst. It's been such a joy and a privilege for us to be a part of this congregation. Who knew it would be so long, but we're very thankful for the 10 years that we've had with you. you. I look out over the congregation and see so many of you who have just blessed our lives in immense ways. And uh, we're just so grateful for the joy and the privilege it's been to be with you. Please know that you will continue to be in our thoughts and prayers always. And uh, we're just grateful for uh, this time that we've had together. Let's pray together. Gracious and holy God, speak your word into our hearts and lives today. On this day of Pentecost, fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we may be your agents of love and grace, bringing hope and peace to our world. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. How many of you here this morning like bridges? Anybody? Several of you, quite a number of you. I like bridges. I I think it's interesting to see how different bridges are designed and, and what they look like. And if you actually cross bridges, a lot of times you get a very cool panoramic view of the valley or the river or the lake or whatever it is that the bridge spans. Well, the purpose of bridges is to connect things that are separated, to span great divides, to bring together things separated by various obstacles. Bridges connect land masses separated by water or valleys. Uh, The interstate system uses bridges to cross over other roads. Walking bridges sometimes connect one building with another uh, a few floors up so that pedestrians don't have to dodge traffic to get from one building to another. The purpose of bridges is to span great divides, to connect things that have been separated. And the question that I want us to consider together this morning is this, what bridges are you building for Christ and how strong are they? What bridges are we building for Christ and how strong are they? One day last month, or at least I think it was last month, the time's just been flying lately, but uh, recently, one day recently, I walked through the Houghton College Campus Center, and there was a, a crowd gathered there, a small crowd gathered around some tables, and, and I was curious, so I stopped. I wanted to see what was going on, and what I, was, what I discovered was that there were a group of Houghton College students and professors from the physics department, and uh, they had created bridges out of matchsticks or something similar to that. And, uh, and they were displaying their bridge designs and testing the strength of the bridges. Now, in order to test the strength of their bridges, they would set up a bridge between two tables, and then they would put sand or weights or both in a bucket attached to the bottom of the bridge. And then they would just keep on adding weight until the bridge broke. 
We originally had a couple of videos to show you of this, but they don't seem to be working this morning. But you can get an idea from these pictures of, of how that worked. They would just add the weights in the sand, and, uh, and then eventually the bridge would break under the weight. Um, I guess the one who had the strongest bridge won or something. Well, the pictures are courtesy of Dr. Brandon Hoffman, who most of you know is one of the physics professors at Houghton College. He sent me a number of pictures and a handful of videos of students testing the strength of their bridges. And the students obviously were having fun with this project. And it was, it was actually pretty interesting to see just how much weight uh, and stress each of the bridges could handle before it broke. And I came away from that thinking, what a great picture of what so much of life is about. Building bridges. We all build bridges all the time, don't we? Bridges to family, bridges to friends, to professors, to colleagues. Whenever we reach out and make a connection with another person, we're building a bridge. What bridges are we building for Christ? And how strong are they? We live in a world of great divides, racial and ethnic divides, socioeconomic divides, gender, age, and talent divides. It's been that way throughout history. There's something about us as fallen human beings that that likes to maintain sharp boundaries and divisions between groups of people. We're all the time creating barriers between us and them. But that's not God's desire. Time and again throughout history, God has made a point of bridging divides. And letting his people know of his love for those people who happen to be on the wrong side of the divide, as we might see it. Time and again, God has fairly shouted his desire to save all who will come to him. Rahab the prostitute, Ruth the Gentile widow, the widow of Zarephath and Sidon, uh, which was the heart of Baal worship in Elijah's time. Naaman, the Syrian general who had leprosy. All of these are examples of God bridging a divide and reaching out to those who were considered outsiders. The birth of Jesus was announced by angels, not to the religious elite, but to to outsiders, those on the wrong side of the divide, to unclean shepherds living in the fields, and to the magi, those foreign stargazers who came from another country and worshipped the Christ child. In the Roman world of the New Testament, divisions were everywhere. There were clear divisions between Jew and Gentile, between men and women, between slave and free, between Roman citizen and everyone else. Jesus was all the time building bridges to span these divides. He regularly interacted with Samaritans and Romans, tax collectors and sinners. That's in part what got him killed. Well, the world today still loves its us and them divides. Just read the paper or watch the news. We see Sunnis versus Shias, Christians versus Muslims, Arabs versus Jews, Protestants versus Catholics, conservatives versus liberals, Democrats versus Republicans, and the list could go on and on and on. Endless divides in the world in which we live. And you know, I think if we are honest with ourselves, sometimes we would have to admit that we like our divides. 
If we can fit other people into neat little categories, then we can keep them in their proper place within our worldview. It's easier that way and safer. But here's the thing. As Christians, we are called to be bridge builders. Over and over, we hear this call in the words of Jesus to his disciples. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. You are the light of the world. Shine in the darkness. You are the salt of the earth. Make a tasteful difference. Jesus said these things to his disciples because because he understood that the heart of God is to reconcile people to himself. Bridge building is God's plan for his people. God is the master bridge builder. He is the one who sent Jesus to bridge the great divide between God and humankind. As John 3, 16 and 17 reminds us, that verse you all know so well, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. In other words, Jesus was sent by the Father to build a bridge and to be a bridge for fallen, broken humanity. He gave his entire life on earth to the task of bridge building, spanning the great divide between God and people. In Luke 4, we hear from Jesus himself how he saw his own mission. Reading in his hometown synagogue from the book of Isaiah, Jesus proclaimed, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he sat down and said, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And the text tells us in the next verses that all spoke well of him and were amazed at his gracious words. That is, until he started talking about how God was in the business of bridging divides that they happened to want to keep in place. God's actions on behalf of the widow of Zarephath and Naaman the Syrian general. Then they decided they wanted to throw Jesus off a cliff. <clears throat> But Jesus knew and understood his mission. He was sent by the Father to reach out and to build bridges of hope and healing to a lost and broken and dying world. To people alienated and estranged from God. At one time, that included every one of us, by the way. Jesus' mission ultimately took him to the cross where he suffered, bled, and died to atone for our sins. And so the cross of Christ is the ultimate bridge between God and humankind. It reminds me of the, uh, of the song. There's a song that uh, has a couple of lines. It says, there's a bridge to cross the great divide. There's a cross to bridge the great divide. So true. The cross of Christ is the ultimate bridge between God and humankind. Well, this brings us to our passage for today. <clears throat> See, after Jesus' resurrection, his disciples had gathered together on the first day of the week, but they were afraid and had all the doors locked. Fear had caused them to put up a barrier, to create a divide. No one enters or exits through locked doors, right? 
or so they thought. The scripture tells us that Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Bridge building words. The disciples probably expected to catch it from Jesus, uh, to be rebuked since they had all deserted him and, and since they were cowering in fear now. But instead, Jesus built a bridge. Peace be with you, he said. And then he showed them his hands inside and they believed and were overjoyed. When Jesus again said, peace be with you, I wonder if the disciples didn't recall his words from a few days before when he had said to them, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Peace be with you. And then Jesus spoke these words to his disciples, words that I pray will echo down through the centuries and find their way into our hearts today. He said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus was not ending his mission at this point. He was commissioning his disciples and us to continue his mission in his name. You see, as Christians, you and I are sent into our world to build bridges to people whom God loves, just as Jesus did. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. One of our primary tasks as followers of Jesus is to build bridges of love, bridges of hope, bridges of care and encouragement to those around us in the name of Christ. But you see, there's more because we can't build the bridges that God would have us to build in our own strength and power, which is why Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself fulfilled his ministry, not in his own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember Luke 4? He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Even Jesus didn't build bridges in his own strength and power. He was fully dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit. And he knew that we can't do it in our own power either. And so God not only calls us to be people who build bridges to others in Jesus' name, he enables us to build those bridges through the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. We need the Holy Spirit to, to be the structural engineer, so to speak, of the bridges that we build in Christ's name, or the bridges we build will be weak and prone to collapse. I've been reading bits and pieces of a book about bridge building and designs. Um, it's, a, it's a book that relates to the mission of the church. Um, but there are a lot of bridge stories that are fascinating in there. And at one point in the book, the author makes this statement. He says, in the great bridge collapses of the 19th and early 20th centuries, pride has often been the culprit with deadly results. And he then details three notable bridge collapses. In 1845, Robert Stevenson's D Bridge, the longest metal truss built to that date, buckled, claiming five lives. In 1879, Thomas uh, Bouch's 
Tay Bridge over Scotland's Firth of Tay went down in a gale, killing 75 people. In 1907, the collapse of the Quebec Bridge over the St. Lawrence in Canada caused the death of another 75 people. And the author went on to list very specifically what many experts now believe to be the root cause of each of these bridge failures. Experts believe these bridges, uh, these bridge failures resulted from engineers and companies who were simply negligent because they worked in isolation, competition, and pursuit of reputation. Isolation, competition, and pursuit of reputation. In other words, at the end of the day, these bridges collapsed not because of incompetence or lack of of skill, but because of errors in engineering stemming from flawed, sinful human nature. Likewise, the bridges that we try to build for Christ in our own strength and power will have errors in engineering caused by our flawed and sinful human nature. Pride and self-interest lead us into isolation, competition, and pursuit of reputation, among other things. Such bridges will never be strong enough to withstand the raging currents of life or to bear up under the weight of, uh, of life, the weight and the strain placed on them. They will be weak and unstable, prone to collapse. And when these relational bridges break, and they inevitably will, They all too often leave in their wake anger, bitterness, hate, envy, strife, and fear. The good news for us as believers is that we don't have to build bridges for Christ in our own strength and power. God knows our human frailty all too well. He knows our flaws. Again, which is why Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And two months later, the Holy Spirit came in power on all the disciples, enabling and empowering them to speak God's truth into the lives of others in a way that connected deeply with their inmost yearnings and desires. That's what we celebrate today, Pentecost. God has given us the Holy Spirit too, and he is the one who works in our lives, enabling and empowering us to build effective bridges to the people around us. See, the building materials of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The building materials of the Spirit are strong, the kind that bridge great divides and remain firm in the face of the pressures of life. Jesus then goes on to say, if you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, to our ears, that sounds like a strange thing to say. After all, we don't set God's terms for forgiveness. Uh, We don't extend forgiveness on a case-to-case basis or award anyone's salvation based on our personal evaluation of them. So what is it that's going on here? What does Jesus mean? Well, it is true that, that God is the only one who can truly forgive sins. But remember that God sent Jesus into the world to fulfill God's purpose and mission, and Jesus did that in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus commissioned his disciples us 
to continue his mission in the power of the Holy Spirit. So when we build bridges to others in Jesus' name, we are acting as agents of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us, is, is God's seal of authority, so to speak. So while we can't actually forgive anyone's sins, we can boldly announce and proclaim uh, the offer of God's forgiveness to all, and we can boldly attest to God's forgiveness in the lives of those who repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And God himself stands firmly behind us, granting or withholding forgiveness as people respond to our message about Jesus. What bridges are we building for Christ, and how strong are they? We live in a world that doesn't believe in truth anymore. As Christians, we believe strongly in truth. God's word is truth. But this generation, this world we live in, views truth as nothing more than talk, mere words really, unless we live the truth we proclaim. See, what the world wants to see more than anything else is people who are real, Real is everything. Real is convincing. Where is the love of God we so often talk about? Where are the changed lives? Where is the selfless giving? Where are the good works? They want to see if we are living out our faith in our communities or if we're just talking about our faith in our sanctuaries. That's why the Holy Spirit is so vitally important for us if we want to stay faithful to God's calling to be agents of his love and grace in our world. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives life and vitality to our message. The Holy Spirit makes God's truth come alive in the hearts of people. The Holy Spirit is the one who enables us to live out the truth we proclaim. If we would build strong bridges to lost and broken people, we must have the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit. Thankfully, God gives the Holy Spirit to all who freely ask him. He wants to fill us with his Holy Spirit. And that is good news for all of us. On this Pentecost Sunday, I encourage you to hear again and receive Jesus' words to his disciples, to you and me, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Receive the Holy Spirit. Houghton Wesleyan Church, go and build strong bridges of love and grace to lost and hurting people, daily living out and proclaiming your faith in Christ, in Houghton, in Caniadia, in Fillmore, in Belfast, in all, in all of Allegheny County in western New York, and wherever you go, not in your own strength and power, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Father, as we celebrate today Pentecost, we thank you for pouring out your Holy Spirit on your disciples and on your church. And I pray for each one of us here today that our hearts and lives would be open to the filling of your Spirit, that you might fill us and dwell within us 
empowering us to live godly lives, empowering us to build strong bridges to lost and hurting and broken people, proclaiming the message of good news to all those who need to hear it. Father, I thank you for your faithfulness in each of our lives. And I thank you for this great congregation and I pray your immense blessings on them now and throughout the future that you have for them. And we'll give you thanks in Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite you to take your hymnals and turn to hymn number 199 and stand with me as we sing our closing song this morning. Come, Holy Spirit, heart's desire. Receive the benediction this morning. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.
As we sing this benediction over all of you this morning, we think especially of Todd and Mary and Mackenzie and Malachi, and we bless them as they go.